Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate the falling of the Holy Spirit on the early church, the disciples that we read about in in the book of Acts. And uh, so that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. And we're going to see that this is not the first time that the disciples actually received the Holy Spirit, but it is that moment where the Holy Spirit fell on them individually and as a congregation, and we see these supernatural gifts of the Spirit being imparted. And so I would argue this is the birthplace of the church. This is the birth moment of uh, the, the church. And so Pentecost is a day on the Jewish calendar, just like Easter and Palm Sunday, the, the, the days that we've been celebrating over the past couple of months in the uh, liturgical calendar. Jesus died on Passover. He ascended to his throne 40 days later. And then 10 days after that, we, we read about this falling of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And so we're going to delve into that today and look at two scriptural streams of understanding about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works, who the Spirit of God is, and how the Holy Spirit comes to us. And so the title of the message today is Resting Upon and Residing Within. Resting Upon and Residing Within. And usually we take one passage and we go deep into one passage. This is a little bit more topical today, so we're going to have a number of different passages that we're going to look at. But one thing I want to alert you to at the beginning is that I believe this message today calls for a response. And so at the end, I want to set aside some time for us to pray and worship and ask the Holy Spirit for another impartation, another filling for anyone who desires more of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So elders, prayer team, be ready because I'm going to volunteer you to come up. All right? (laughs) So... Our beginning point is this. When Jesus ascended into heaven and took his throne with the Father, he promised that we, his church, his body, would be endowed with the Holy Spirit and that the gifts of the Spirit would be released. And so what that is telling us is that there was a a shift. There was a change from the Older Testament model. And yes, I'm saying Older Testament model and Newer Testament, because you know what? We believe in both. (laughs) So the first point here is that God's desire is no longer merely to act. God's desire is to act through his gathered people. And as I myself remain faithful to gather, to act through me. And so after his resurrection and his many appearances, it says that they were gathered together. So the first thing we're going to read here is from Acts chapter 1, Uh, verse 6 to 8. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so this is the, the first of these two streams, right? The Holy Spirit coming upon us. And so the thing 
to notice here is that the power that the church is to receive is for the mission of the church. The power that is received is for the purpose of the mission of the church. So we're going to unpack that a little bit about how that coming of the Holy Spirit works and how it propels us into mission as a church. And so there's, when, when you read through Scripture, when you study Scripture, there's two ways, there's two manners in Scripture by which we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit acts within us, and the Holy Spirit acts upon us. Within us and upon us. And so the first way that we've seen here is that the, the Holy Spirit acting upon us. And a lot of times, I don't know about you, we tend to get these two streams kind of mixed up. A lot of you know Elliot Tepper, and I grew up with Elliot in the work of Battelle. And if you don't know Elliot, he is an apostle's apostle. Well, he's one of our apostolic voices here in NC4. And uh, there was a time he was speaking at a conference, and he was talking about an experience that he personally had of the Holy Spirit. And part of speaking is reading the room, right? And he knew that he had leaders from different streams of the church that understood the work of the Holy Spirit in different ways. So he knew that there were Methodists there who understood the work of the Holy Spirit primarily as an act of sanctification, purification. But he knew that there were also charismatics there who understood the work of the Holy Spirit as an experience of God that launches us into powerful ministry. And the truth is that the Holy Spirit acts in both of these ways. And so uh, Elliot's telling this story, and he doesn't want to cause division. So he says, you know, I was standing there, and I felt the Holy Spirit rise up within me. Or fall upon me, depending on your theology. (laughs) And so it was kind of his get-out-of-jail-free card. But when you read through Scripture, you see both of these descriptions of the work of the Holy Spirit. Both of these aspects are there. And so, first of all, we're going to look at some of the promises of the coming of the Holy Spirit from the Older Testament. And then we'll see some of the fulfillment of those promises in the Newer Testament. And so, lastly, we're going to pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit right here for us. So, we're all good charismatics here. You haven't found that out yet. Uh, You're going to at some point. Um, but, you know, it's Pentecost Sunday, and this, this is like our day, you know? This is, this is our day. And so, especially on Pentecost Sunday, we love to quote from the prophet Joel, just as Peter did on that day of Pentecost in Acts. You know, that moment when the disciples, uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit falls in them, there's tongues of fire resting on them, and they, they pour out into the streets, and they're speaking tongues, and they're, they're stumbling all around, and people think they're drunk, right? So, Has anyone ever been put off by some of the weird things that happen, you know, when the Holy Spirit just just fills a room? I've seen people just laughing hysterically for for way longer, you know, than would be comfortable. Uh, (laughs) About nothing at all, just laughing, just laughing, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, I remember a, a friend of mine one time asked me to be his armor bearer at an event. And if you're saying, I don't know what an armor bearer is, that's because you're not a level three Pentecostal. <laughs> you, need to, you know, after a few more years, you'll hear about this, okay? So I was an armor bearer, and, 
It's one of those things that gets mentioned one time in scripture and then there's like 25 books about it. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm his armor bearer, right? And um, I'd never done this before. So I have a meeting with him. I'm taking notes. You know, he's like, why are you taking notes, man? And then I found out when I got to the event, it's because basically I just was shadowing him and I was like a catcher. You know, anybody he prayed over that fell over, I would catch him, you know. And my friend was kind of stumbling all around and he, he was, you know, he was more drunk in the spirit than I've ever seen. He's, he's so Pentecostal and I, I love it. I was his, you know, I was his catcher. I was making sure that, you know, the people didn't hit the ground too hard and, and that also, you know, and you have to lay the, the, the handkerchief over the women and all that stuff. Um, I miss that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, so, so maybe you've seen this kind of thing. Um, but when you read about the disciples and people think that they're drunk, you know, there was a reason for that. There's a reason. It's, and it's oftentimes when the Holy Spirit falls on a person, there's this experience. It almost produces this just this kind of this joy that they can't contain. It, you know, it's almost like this, this ecstasy. Um, and so when Peter speaks to the crowds, this is what he says. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. That's nine o'clock in the morning. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In these last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So if you've ever thought that you're not allowed to prophesy, kind of sounds like it's for everybody. Young and old, high status, low status, they shall prophesy. Anyway, we're not talking about prophecy this morning. So the point here is that the Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us for mission. The Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us for mission. And when the gift, Jesus, Jesus talks about the person of the Holy Spirit as a gift. He is a gift. And it says, when he came upon them, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were released, and there was a harvest of 3,000 souls in one day. In one day. Now, talk about charismatic things. Don't you love that phrase, a harvest of souls? <laughs> it's like the most Christianese thing ever, right? Um, if you listen to heavy metal, that has very different connotations. Wow, not even one heavy metal listener. That's okay. You guys are so holy. I love it. <laughs> So 3,000 people get baptized, and the church, as the body of Christ, begins. And so they're launched into the, the, the mission that Jesus has given to them. And, you know, when you read back on Jesus' first public address in his home synagogue, and, he, and he's announcing his mission, and he's quoting from the prophet Isaiah, this is what he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So there it is. He's, the Holy Spirit is, is upon me because he's anointed me for a mission. 
And so when we see the Holy Spirit come upon us as an anointing, it's ministerial, it's missional, uh, it, it's in line with the mission of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. And you see that when you read through Scripture, you see this all the way through, that the Spirit anoints and comes upon a certain person for a specific task, a specific mission. You see it with Moses. You see it with Saul, with David, with Elijah, Elisha. And these are all kind of precursors to what life looks like um, living in the Spirit. And so you see this consistently through the Older Testament and the Newer Testament. And so the Holy Spirit comes on people to anoint them for specific tasks and missions. But that's not the end of the story. There's another prophetic path that we see in Scripture all the way through. There's, there's these kind of these two threads. And so there's another thread that you find in the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel and other places. And this is just as important a thread. And so you read in Jeremiah chapter 30. Here's what Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then Ezekiel 36 follows up. He says, I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit not only upon you, but within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God says, I will put my spirit within you and that will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so the, the point here is that the Holy Spirit comes within us to empower us to live a life consistent with the character of God. Empowers us to walk in his statutes and, and to be careful to obey all his rules. And so... When we do that, there's a word for it, and it's called holiness. And so there's, there's a whole stream of the church, of Christianity, that really puts an emphasis on the Holy Spirit enabling us to live this, this life of holiness. And so that was the, this is the path um, of the Holy Spirit that you really see coming alive in, in uh, the great awakenings of the 18th and 19th centuries. Um, a lot of times, this is accompanied by uh, conviction of sin. You know, when you're, when you're uh, just overwhelmed with the sense of God's holiness. Like Isaiah 6, when he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. This is the, the, a sign of the Holy Spirit uh, working in that sense. And you saw that uh, through the, the, the great awakenings that absolutely transformed this country and, and the UK, for sure. So it's accompanied with conviction of sin. It's accompanied with a sense of redemption, the, the fear of the Lord. And so this is what Methodists or, or fundamentalists tend to call uh, sanctification as an experience. So it's, it's not, not, not so much of uh, talking about it as a process, but talking about it as an event. 
I did a, a master's in history of Christianity, and one of the things that don't do further study unless you really have burning questions that you want to answer for yourself, all right? Because, you know, especially in the humanities, because as everybody knows, you can't get a job with the humanities, right? <laughs> Somebody told me a joke recently. They said, what did the humanities, uh, I shouldn't even say this because I'm denigrating myself, but what, what did the humanities student tell the engineering student? You want fries with that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Look, if you're thinking about studying humanities, come talk to me because you absolutely should. But when I did uh, some of my graduate study, I, one of the questions I really wanted to answer my, for myself was I, I wanted to delve into what are my roots as a charismatic Christian, all right? Because a lot of times, um, because we have such an emphasis on the, the experience of the Holy Spirit, we, um, we don't put a lot of emphasis or time into knowing our history, even of our own movement. So I was quite ignorant of that. So I got the opportunity to, to study that. Part of the history is that we're actually heir to several of these moves of the Spirit that happened in the 19th and early 20th century. And one of those was called the Holiness Movement. A lot of you probably know this a lot more than, than I did, but this was, the holiness movement was this revival movement where people experienced, they, they had this experience that came to be known as a second blessing. The second blessing. In other words, that the first blessing is regeneration, salvation, but then a second blessing of a new power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. And so they began to say, you know, have you been saved and sanctified? Fast forward a few decades and you have the, the Welsh revival, the Azusa Street revival that was kind of the birth of the modern Pentecostal movement. There came to be known a third blessing where there was this experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the release of the supernatural gifts, especially the gift of tongues uh, and there's healing and all these different things. And so now people began to say, have you been saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost? Right? Has anyone ever heard that before? What? Peter has. Thank you, Peter. Love you, man. <laughs> so this is part of our heritage today. The wider point in all this is that God desires that his gathered people, his church, would display him. That we would be his walking praise. That we would be his walking praise. And so in John 21 I believe that we see the fulfillment of Jeremiah and Ezekiel's prophecies because in that episode in John 21, now this is before the day of Pentecost, and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appears to his disciples. They're, they're gathered together, and Jesus says this. It says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And when you read the Greek here, there's an implication that they're being instructed to inhale the Holy Spirit because the word used for spirit can equally mean breath. And so Jesus, it, it, isn't that cool? Like this is the breath of Jesus. And, and we inhale the breath of Jesus, which is his spirit. And he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the, sin, the, the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And so th this is almost like, it's almost like supernatural CPR, right? 
And so this is, this is the fulfillment of the new covenant that was prophesied in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And it mentions this, this power over sin in ourselves and our influence upon other people. And so there's something a little bit perplexing in all this, though, which is if you've been around long enough, you realize that just displaying powerful gifts is no, it doesn't necessarily mean a life of holiness, which is quite a chilling thing. You know, and you're brought back to, to the, the, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, he mentions all these people that are going to come to him and said, Lord, did we not do these incredible things in your name? Didn't we do these miracles in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And Jesus says, get away from me. I never knew you. And every time, I don't know, isn't that chilling every time you read that? That it's displaying the gifts of the Spirit is not necessarily intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so what that shows us is that we shouldn't forget, we should never forget that the qualifications for righteousness are not charismatic. And so sadly, we've seen so many times where people whose gifting, supernatural gifting, anointing even, will take them places beyond where their character can sustain them. And I remember as a kid hearing a certain person who kind of had a very public falling away, I just remember praying from that day forward, Lord, don't ever let my gifts take me where my character can't keep me. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a trepidation in me even saying that publicly before a group of people. Because, man, the fear of God just falls and you realize I am weak and feeble. Lord God, work in my character before you give me anything that will bring public attention. Give me character, Lord. In fact, give me that even if it means no one will ever notice my ministry. If I'll never be one of the great ones. Oh, man. The kingdom of God is not merely power. It's power and integrity. It's power and integrity. And so, Lord, keep us from ever splitting those two things apart. And so, this is where I, I, I want us to segue into, into a response here. All right? I told you in advance. So, I want to take this moment recognizing the unction of the Spirit to send us into mission, recognizing the filling of the Spirit to release the power of ministry, but also recognizing that we need the Holy Spirit to transform our character so that we look and live and act like Jesus. I think we need to pray for that today, for each other, for ourselves. And so somebody might say, well, Ian, I, I received the Holy Spirit when I got saved. And that's true. The Holy Spirit is the one that we invite into our lives and he regenerates us from the inside out and we become a child of God. And so you, if you're in Christ today, you have the Holy Spirit. Or you might say, well, Ian, I received the Holy Spirit when I got baptized with the Spirit. And that's also true. But we mentioned being drunk with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that word filled, you've heard this before, it means a continual filling. And so it's not, well, I, I got filled 20 years ago. I'm done, you know. It's a continual filling because, you know what, there's new missions and tasks that God brings into your life that he wants to anoint you for. And so there's the Holy Spirit coming upon you for that new season in your life. And there's, there's new gifts that at different points in your life that the body needs that the Lord wants to release in you for the sake of building up of the body. And so we need a continual refilling of the Holy Spirit. And then there's times where we recognize our sinfulness and we need a new sanctification of the Holy Spirit that we would look like Jesus and walk with him. And so God says that he'll give us more of his spirit and all we need to do is ask. All we need to do is ask. And so before we jump into that, I just want to mention one thing about the gift of tongues because um, the gift of tongues, anyone who, who, who's experienced and, and, and works in the gift of tongues knows that it's this massive blessing in your prayer life. It's warring with your spirit and, and, and your spirit pouring out and crying out to God in words that we can't comprehend. And there's also a public gift that some of us operate in that Paul says goes hand in hand with interpretation so that people are built up. And so there's this private gift and there's this public gift. And for anyone wondering, we don't believe that the only manifestation of being filled with the spirit is the gift of tongues. But it is a beautiful gift that we can ask the Lord for and that he is happy to give us. We're going to pray now. And we're going to pray if any of those three aspects of the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Lord's just putting his finger on for you. I just want to invite you to come fill up this space at the front. And if you want to keep a mask on, absolutely. Um, and if we're, you know, any of us praying for people who are masked, we can, you know, ask that question first because we're, we're still in a iffy time. But I do want to invite anybody who wants to ask the Lord for an anointing for whether it's, it's some uh, mission or task um, or, or you want to ask the Lord for a new filling of the Holy Spirit that you could operate uh, in the gifts in power. Or maybe you want to ask the Lord for, for a new uh, cleansing, a new sanctification to walk with him in greater holiness. And so um, as, we, as we pray for that together, um, the band's going to be playing, and I just invite you to make your way up, and elders uh, who are here, elders and wives, and, and uh, the, the prayer team who's been designated, please uh, come up and just work your way through people and pray for them. Um, and I just believe that the Lord's going to pour out a new filling of the Holy Spirit on us today uh, to release us into our mission individually and corporately, to, to reside within us and pour out his gifts within us and to, uh, to bring us into a new level of holiness with him. Now, before... As people are coming up, I do want to give an invitation for anyone who has not yet become what you'd call a student of Jesus, who's never come to him and offered their life to him to say, Jesus, I'm going to center my life on you. I'm going to put all of my trust, all of my faith in you. And 
that's how the Bible talks about being saved because Jesus rescues us from our sin. He sets us free to worship God and be the people that we were created to be. And we were talking about preparing a place for him this morning. And one thing about our hearts is that there's only room for one. There's only room for one Lord in your heart. And so if you have not made Jesus your Lord, I just want to invite you to pray. And then we're going to be praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you can come right up and receive that too. (laughs) You don't have to wait. So Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise. And so if that is you today and you have never declared publicly that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and if you haven't believed that Jesus raised him from the dead, then you can pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, today I make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, forgive me for all the ways that I've sinned against you. Thank you that you died for my sins. Jesus, today I believe, even if I don't understand it all yet, I believe that God raised you from the dead. Today I commit to walking with you the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. If there's anyone here who did pray that prayer of commitment today for the first time, you can can throw your hand up and one of the ushers will give you a um, package of information because we want to walk that out with you. And you're also invited for this second uh, thing that we're going to be praying for today, which is the filling, the anointing, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.